Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. As you know, we put in a ton of time and effort to make each of our shows as valuable as we can. If you find the information useful, please share this podcast with a friend by emailing it to them or sharing this on the social media site of your choice. Are you comfortable with the legacy that you'll be passing on to your kids and grandkids? Will your legacy be more than just about the things that you will pass on? Joining us today is Dr. Eric Weiner, who is a consultant, speaker, and therapist. He helps families have value-based conversations about money and inheritance as part of their tax and legal estate planning strategies. And his passion is to help families define a legacy that preserves both physical assets and family relationships over time. Welcome, Dr. Weiner. Hi, Jim, Tony. It's great to have you here. A lot of times, Tony and I, when we're talking to people, it's more than just about the money. And I know your practice is kind of dedicated to legacy planning that goes just beyond the dollars and cents of things. So we're really looking forward to having you here today. Likewise. I think this is just a wonderful topic. It's near and dear to me, certainly. I look forward to sharing it with your listeners. Why don't we start out with how did you become involved in working with families and counseling them and having those family legacy conversations. Well, it's interesting because I often saw money as being a big problem in families, and yet it's the kind of thing that often does not get addressed. I got a doctorate in marriage and family therapy, and during the course of my studies, we rarely talked about money and the effect that it has on individuals and families. Yet one of the number one reasons why people divorce is related to money. So it wasn't a part of my training, and yet I saw this clinically in my practice and thought, wow, this is something that really needs to be more directly addressed. So that got me interested in it, and the whole idea of the connection between money and relationships I think is really fascinating. That really got me going down a path of really exploring this more. I also saw this personally in my own family with some relatives where disinheritance was an issue. I thought, wow, that's just not the kind of legacy I think most people want to leave to the next generation and subsequent generations. So the combination of those things really got me going in this arena. It seems to me as I started to explore money and family relationships was the whole idea that every family has a money story. And it's that money story that I think really drives a lot of the decisions we make about how we save, how we spend, how we invest. Those stories, even going back a generation or two, are things that really interest me, and I try to find out what every individual's money story is in their particular family. Why don't you tell us about the model you created to assist families in the process? It's called Voices. Yeah, when it comes to inheritance planning, the big focus traditionally is quantitative. It's passing the assets from one generation to the next while minimizing tax liability. And that's great. I'm all for it. It just seems to me that there's a lot more that goes on above and beyond the quantitative. I think a lot of what gets decided during the planning process is really based on relationships. So exploring what those issues are, that's the kind of thing that's really motivated me. What I noticed from working with individuals and their families and reading some parts of the literature is that there are some best practices out there that can really make a difference for families. And when I looked at that, I tend to think in terms of acronyms. I use the word voice as an acronym to reflect what those best practices are. So to walk you through it, V would stand for values and vision. In other words, these 
families really look at what the vision is for the family, not just now, but in the future. And their decisions based on asset allocation would be based strongly on their values and really what matters most to them as a family. O would be for openness. I'm thinking of a family in particular that brought their family together. They convened the family for the first time. And in that very first meeting, they did something quite remarkable. They opened up all the books to their adult children. In other words, they told them exactly what all their businesses were worth. And it took a tremendous amount of courage for them to do this. But they said their children were so incredibly appreciative of this that it really brought the two generations much closer to one another. So that's one example of openness. I would be inclusiveness, going back to the voice model. The families that are successful find a way to include everyone who would be directly affected by whatever plan they come up with. They find a way to bring all of those people into the process and give them input into the process. Not decision-making power per se, but they have some input. And the families where this is a big issue would be those families where one or more children might be estranged from the family. And this unfortunately does come up from time to time, and it can really tear a family apart. But the families that are successful at this find a way to bring that estranged child back into the fold, so to speak. It might take a while, and this whole process, the voice process, is not a single event. It's really a process that takes place over what could be a number of years. C in the voice model refers to communication. These families find ways to communicate with each other. When I say communication, I'm talking about really deep listening to one another, not just edicts that come down from the top generation to the children saying, this is what I'm going to do, and now I've communicated that to you, and that's the way it is. These families really find ways to communicate, and it's more of a, what I would refer to as a horizontal communication process. There's deep listening there. The E in the model would refer to extraordinary leadership. I think to really foster this process through takes a family leader who sees the importance of it, who sees the value of it, and finds a way to kind of calmly move the process forward. It takes a really strong form of leadership to do that, but it can indeed be done. That's it in a nutshell. What do you think of that? What we see with working with clients is communication is typically lacking. And for, I think, the older generations, it was all about having that privacy. Even today, when I'm working with families, regardless of what the planning process is involving, whether we're dealing with a loved one that might be needing long-term care and having to disclose what they have is a very uncomfortable situation. And if they don't have family members there to kind of help them through that process, the stress of that situation is just unbelievable. So I think open communication is probably key, and it's probably the biggest things lacking in families. Very well said. I think secrecy can really undo a family. As an advisor, you might be privy to information that other family members don't have. Finding a way to share that information is really a key. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that you need to share anything and everything. We don't talk to our young children about sex education. What we say to them when they're 10 years old would be very different from what it might be when they're 15, for example. And with financial information, I think we have to look at it in a similar kind of way. It's age-appropriate information in that context, and I think that's something to keep in mind. If we're having that much difficulty talking about the facts and then talking about the values, that's something people tend to be 
less comfortable discussing. The other situation that we see is if the patriarch and matriarch of the family are trying to have these discussions with it in mind of legacy discussions, a lot of times you have the kids, oh, we don't need to talk about that. Now it's an uncomfortable topic to talk about we're all mortal. So a lot of times it's like the big elephant in the room. Nobody's talking about it, but we know it's there. Gosh, what a great transition point for my book, if I may, because I wrote this book about ethical wills. This can be a great tool for parents to write down their thoughts, just the sorts of things you just mentioned. With a traditional will, we pass money in real estate. With an ethical will, we talk more about our values and the things we learn in life, even if that might involve a failure, maybe a business failure from years ago, but the lessons learned from that, notes of appreciation to the next generation. Many people might be reluctant to say these things on a one-to-one level with another family member, but writing them down is a different kind of process, and for some people might be more comfortable doing that. Although I do suggest that when people write something like this, that they also at some point take time to bring the family together to read it aloud, and it can become a very powerful, very strong bonding experience for the family. I just don't ever see that those generally turn out negative. I must say, as an advisor, whenever we have family meetings, it's probably one of the most rewarding experiences we end up seeing because if there was going to be any negative tone after mom and dad are gone, there's an opportunity to smoke it out and create healing while they're still with us. And that's just a huge opportunity as a planner. Too many people in our business might be too transactional, and we're very emotional planners in one sense. When it comes to family relationships, we're not emotional about the money. So you have to kind of balance that. You know, you have to balance when it's time to talk about those softer issues and when it's time to talk about those real dollar issues. So it's a rewarding career. And hopefully as people listen to you today, know that their advisor is a sounding board to maybe be a catalyst to create those family meetings. So, hey, just tell us a little bit more about the book again. It's called Words from the Heart, and how do they get it? Yeah, it's called Words from the Heart, a Practical Guide to Writing an Ethical Will. They get it, well, two ways. One would be from my website, which is www.familymoneymatters.org, and the other would be from the backseat of my car. So the website would really be the best option for that. So wait a minute, do they get a better price on the back seat? (laughs) (laughs) We could definitely work that out, yes, yes. Excellent. Well, listen, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. This copyrighted program and its contents is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, nor station render legal, medical, accounting, tax, or other professional advice. The information and opinions expressed here are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendation for any individual situation or security. For specific assistance, you should seek the services of a competent professional. To learn about a specific investment option, ask your Real Wealth Advisor for a prospectus. Please read the prospectus carefully about the fees, expenses, and risks before investing. Real Wealth Advisors offer security and investment advisory services through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor, PO Box 64284, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55164. Real Wealth Advisors and Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliated entities. This is Real Wealth Weekly on the Real Wealth Advisor Network. Having a conversation with your child is like putting money in the bank. For example, every time you ask your child... So, how was your day? You've just added to your conversation trust account. And when you say to your child... Good job, son. 
you get double deposits. And the more you ask, the more you put away. And it's good advice to... <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's good advice to have... Stop that! <clears throat> and it's good advice to have little chats with your child as often as you can. Thank you. Because someday, when they're teenagers, it may pay off big dividends. Dad, can I ask you something? Give your family everything. Give them your time. Thanks, Dad. I think you're right. Welcome back as we continue our discussion with Dr. Eric Weiner, a consultant, speaker, and therapist. And today we're talking about families and planning their family legacy and the conversations that go around them. Eric, could you please share with us why does money and wealth tend to bring out negatives in family relationships? Money is so symbolic. It means different things to different people. In every family, it's different, but there's a lot of symbolism associated with money. Often the thing is love. So if you're giving more to one child than another, then that child who received less views it as receiving less love, literally, from the parent or parents. It's really quite symbolic. I'm sure you've seen this in your work with clients, that symbolism is really a potent force in families. Unfortunately, it leads to some negative experiences in families as well. I'm thinking of families in particular where it works on the other end too, where they try to maybe do too much as a result of money. And it could still have a negative effect. By that, I mean, I'm thinking of one family in particular where the father had actually lived through the depression as a young child, a very young child, and he had to scrape for everything he got. Consequently, when he had a family of his own, his daughters would come to him for various things, and he would give them anything they wanted, anything at all. He never said no. In the process, taught them that they didn't have to work for anything. They would never want for anything. And it did not create a very good kind of setup for them as they then formed their own relationships with people. So in this case, money really led to some negative or some, I should say, maybe some very challenging situations and relationships that his daughters had with other people in their lives. Well, before the break, we were talking about your book, Words from the Heart, a Practical Guide to Writing an Ethical Will, where we're talking about maybe transferring values. Can you share some examples of how families have used that process with success? So we talked about the negatives, so how do we get to the positives? I'm thinking of the same family that I mentioned earlier that had met and opened up the books to everyone that was there. They started, prior to opening up the books, actually the father read an ethical will that he wrote where he talked about his devotion to family, his love of family, the importance of being generous, of giving back. This is a gentleman who, in the business, in the family business, promotes education for all of the employees and will actually help pay for classes that employees take to further their own educational goals. So those are two values that are really key to him, and he puts something behind it. I talked about the openness that they did by opening up the books to everyone there. He also wrote a family charter. It took about two years to do that, but they wrote a family charter, and in it, he created a family assembly for his descendants. Actually, it was a family council that was for his descendants, and then a family assembly that was for non-descendants. And those would be people that his children end up marrying. The idea there was to involve everyone and give everyone a voice in the process. The communication he did in that setting was one of really having 
he took time out to meet with everyone in the family. That was just real important to him. It was the idea of really staying connected and finding out what they were doing. And again, this is something that took really several years to implement. So we stayed connected and they continue to have family meetings. I think they've been doing it. It's been about 10 years now, give or take, where they have a family meeting, they meet at a resort, they bring everyone together and they conduct business, and then they have time to play and have fun. This is very important to him and to the whole family. And it's something that's worked for them. He's been able to do this through some coaching in terms of focusing on the kind of leader that he wants to be, a leader who focuses on his own growth, managing his own anxiety through this whole process. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's something that he's really stayed focused on. And I think he's really laying a solid foundation for succession and for family connectedness that has certainly worked in this generation. And I think it certainly increases the likelihood and the odds for success in subsequent generations. Now, being a financial advisor and Tony's a financial advisor, we find that a lot of times we can kind of be the one to kind of lead the charge for this. What advice would you have for our listeners? How would they incorporate their team of professionals, the financial advisor, the attorney, maybe CPAs, in helping them do this process where they're doing the inheritance the right way? It's not just the dollars and cents, but it's a way of incorporating the whole family. What advice would you give to the listeners in incorporating that team of professionals around them? Meet with the family. Quite simply that. It's so interesting to me because in a previous career I had, I used to work in medicine, training doctors how to be nice to their patients and the doctor-patient relationship. They would often meet with a client who might be coming in to talk about smoking cessation. And the patient's spouse would be literally in the waiting room, waiting. And the physician didn't bring the patient's spouse into the room, that person who might also be a smoker. Imagine it's difficult enough as it is just quitting smoking. And if you're living with someone who's a smoker, it makes it a hundred times more difficult. The same idea, I think, is true here in this setting, that it's important to bring in that next generation, for example, the people that are likely to come into inheritance and to meet as a family. And the advisor can really do wonders by inviting other family members into the process, making them a part of it. It's interesting to me, less than 5% of all heirs use the same advisors their parents use. And it becomes a great opportunity for advisors and families to come together to talk about these issues. And everyone benefits from that. That's what I would suggest. When I was new in the business, I was probably more transactional. And I find that those family meetings in our practice have become almost mandatory with families when you get to a certain point. Once you got the ducks in a row and kind of have things figured out with mom and dad, we feel it's time to bring the kids in as soon as it's appropriate that their ages and maturity are at a level where you can have some of these in-depth conversations. But I learned early in my career, when you don't have these discussions as a family, the worst time for your family to figure out what they need to be doing is when they're dealing with the grief of losing a loved one. And now it's kind of like baptism by fire fire, the odds of a legacy being passed or the thoughts of the parents, because when you have those communications and those discussions with the family members of what your goals and objectives were, what's important to you along with the money, the chances of success that those legacy of values are going to be put into place is much greater than you just have it written on a piece of paper that they read after you're gone. So I think these things are critical, especially in today's day and age. Life is a lot more complicated and it's so fast-paced today to take that step back and make sure you're having these meaningful discussions with your family. 
especially at a time when things are calm. If a lot is going on, and there's often a lot going on in families anyway, but if you can do this when things aren't quite as elevated with anxiety and life events and that kind of thing, it becomes a great opportunity for clearer decision-making. Otherwise, I refer to some of the emotional landmines that are occurring in families, and they're really everywhere, and it can really complicate the process. We all have them, but sometimes, especially advisors, can be stepping into them without having a clue as to what they're stepping into. So I totally agree. Very well said. Well, we really appreciate you joining us. And one last time, can you give that website, if anybody wants to get your book, Words from the Heart, A Practical Guide to Writing an Ethical Will? FamilyMoneyMatters.org. We really appreciate it. I suggest everybody check that out because it's a great way of getting the conversation started and creating a stronger family unit and passing on more than just the money, passing on those family values. Thanks, Dr. Weiner. Oh, Jim, Tony, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us this week. And tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process. And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your real wealth advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to a friend or family member, just click the Forward to a Friend button. This copyrighted program and its contents is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, nor station render legal, medical, accounting, tax, or other professional advice. The information and opinions expressed here are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendation for any individual situation or security. For specific assistance, you should seek the services of a competent professional. To learn about a specific investment option, ask your Real Wealth Advisor for a prospectus. Please read the prospectus carefully about the fees, expenses, and risks before investing. Real Wealth Advisors offer securities and investment advisory services through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor, PO Box 64284, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55164. Real Wealth Advisors and Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliated entities. This is Real Wealth Weekly on the Real Wealth Advisor Network. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. We've got additional information and links in our show notes, which you can click on to learn more. If you have any questions about any of the topics covered or would like to learn more, you can go to our website, www.myprisminsurance.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. Call us at 951-243-2800 or email me directly at prob at myprisminsurance.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in, and have a wonderful week.